When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. This is another Dr. Peluso episode. I am not a real doctor. Any of the advice you get is at your own discretion. And I never went to college to become a doctor. I am educated in the school of life. The streets taught me and it's all about my experience and I just share what I know from what I've been through and I hope you guys enjoy it. If you'd like to submit your own questions, you can do that on my Instagram page, Sundays to Mondays, not every single week, but that's usually when we post it on my Instagram story and you could submit your question there. You can also submit your question by emailing me, Comedy at gmail.com and you can have your questions read on the podcast and have them answered. Also, thanks to everybody who came out to see me in Edmonton, Canada last week with my friend Kalia McNeil. All my tour dates are going to be on my website, jessiemay.com forward slash tour. You can check that out in the show notes as well. The description below the show will have the link to my tour page. Come see me. I'm going to be in, let's see, Chicago, Providence, Philly, a bunch of other places, jessiemay.com forward slash tour. You can see me in Chicago in July, July 19th to the 21st, I believe. But for right now, you can listen to me on this podcast, give answers to all of you guys. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Mr. Oh, I mean, Mrs. Dr. Peluso. (laughs) Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss comedy how hard it is to make it in this biz i'm a fucking professional each week it's something different sometimes i have a guest host sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode sometimes i just ramble about the bullshit i dealt with the week before you never know what you're gonna get it's raw uncut and funny it's me hey everybody it's your girl jesse may i have a beverage on hand the beverage is sweating i am not because it is still freezing here in los angeles i have no idea what is going on and what's going to happen in the summertime. I have a couple theories. My friends have theories that all of this rain, which has produced so much flora and fauna and so many plants and so many trees and bushes and a bushel and a pack and a hog around your neck. There's so much out there that come summer when it gets hot and everything starts to burn, we are literally going to be under uh, an entire inferno. All of LA is going to burn. It's going to burn, burn, burn. And we're just going to have to hang on and and grin and bear it because we did this to ourselves. The earth is slowly burning us alive and can't say that we don't deserve it. So cheers to that, everybody. Cheers to to the earth finally valuing herself. She's like, guys, you know what? You've been treating me wrong for too long. It's like a girl who finally figured out what her worth was. And she's like, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to just burn you alive because you burned me one too many times and she's not gonna deal with it anymore she's a girl who read a couple self-help books and 
realized, hey, I'm too good to be treated this way. And so I will fry you alive. So here's to frying alive, everyone. I am drinking a tequila. Let's just call it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. I'm drinking a tequila. It's a Mayan... Mayan something. My favorite tequila is Claza Azul. But I, I needed a drink today because I don't even know if I should be drinking right now. The answer to that is probably no. Whenever you ask yourself, I don't know if I should be doing this. The answer is always no. I got my first session of tattoo removal today. And <laughs> oh, cowabunga, that hurt. Hot tamale. I felt like like charred meat. I felt like I was getting slapped over and over just by by a by by like razor blades. It was hot, hot to trot. Woo! Talk about the earth burning. I'm burning, baby. Burn, baby, burn. It was so rude, rude. And it's crazy, right? The host of a tattoo show getting tattoo removal. I wanted to pitch tattoo undo for my own journey with getting my tattoo removal and shout out to removery, which is the company that is removing my tattoos for me. I have an enormous tattoo on my back that starts at my tailbone and goes up to the back of my rib cage. And it's just, I'm good. You know, I'm good. I don't need a constant reminder of mistakes that I've made. I have enough emotional ones. I don't need a tattoo reminding me of the mistakes I made. And so I've decided to look myself in the mirror and go, Hey, Maybe you have too many. Hmm? Maybe there's one too many drawings on you. And I'll never know what it's like to have virgin skin. I'll never know what it's like to have virgin skin. And I wish I did. I wish I did know what it was like. But I can't say. I can't say it because my skin has tattoos on it. And I regret it. I am here to say the person who once said she has no regrets. I don't have any regrets except for the tattoos. And it's not all of them. You know, there are a lot that are personal, but here's the thing. And I think I said this before. I want to tell the stories now. I don't need my tattoos to tell my stories anymore. And I think being alone and COVID and all of that changed a lot of our minds about how we were living and ways we could improve ourselves. And I figured out, you know what? Sometimes the, the way, the best way to improve yourself is to get rid of something. We always talk about unloading or downloading or getting rid of or purging. And I'm purging ink, y'all. I am purging ink. And it feels pretty good. But I will tell you that the process to get it done is so painful. I literally was white knuckling this styrofoam stick and I was going, I, I should have, and I will next time, I should go live. <laughs> I should go live while this is happening. I, I don't want to deter people from getting this done. You know, if you yourself feel like you want to get your tattoos removed, live your life. Here's the thing. If you're not hurting anybody and the decision is just for yourself, you realize you made a mistake or you'll feel better about yourself, go ahead and do it. Honestly, go ahead and do it. If you've got the time, if you've got the means and the resources, get it done. And I'm scared to, to go live because I don't want to deter people because it is painful. But I consider it growth. I consider this a very growing moment for me. Uh, and as we know, 
there is no growth without pain. So this is literal physical pain that I'm experiencing. It is like a constant reminder of the idiotic decisions I made. And here's the thing, like I said, a few of my tattoos are very, I'm very proud of, I love so much, but the reality is most of them were made, the decisions were made on a whim and it's just dumb. I had, I had a thought today. I thought, you know, if I ever had a daughter and she came to me and told me she was going to get tattoos, I'd be like, are you out of your fucking mind? No, not that beautiful skin. Get out of town. I would send her out of town. That's what I would do. I'd send her out of town. Like, you know what? If you want to get these tattoos, I want you to go leave town, go live with the Amish and write me an essay. Write me an essay about the reasons why you should and shouldn't get a tattoo and then bring it back. And I don't know what the Amish people have to do with anything. It's just a simple life. Maybe to see what you have when you're away from it and how much you should value it. And maybe you'll forget that you want the tattoo in the first place. But then, you know, my luck, my daughter would come back with an Amish tattoo that some Amish guy did in the barn with bird poop. We didn't need to say that. My sister's trying to FaceTime me right now. Sorry, I'm, we're recording. I don't know how to answer. There's got to be some way I could answer and have her be on the podcast, but we don't know what family secrets she would just diarrhea out of her mouth. Mm. There's a lot I want to tell you guys. This week is a Dr. Peluso episode. I do want to talk about a couple things here. Um, we don't have any overheard at the market because uh, last weekend I was in Edmonton. Shout out to everybody who came out to the Edmonton shows at the comic strip in Edmonton, West Edmonton Mall. Thank you to all the fans. We appreciate you so much. I had Kalia McNeil with me. We had a great freaking time. And I didn't get to do an overheard at the farmer's market. So we don't have a new one of those. But this Sunday, I should be going to the farmer's market. So look forward to that. We also have wrap snacks that are going to be coming up. Not today. I don't have the stomach to, to eat wrap snacks right now. But I will make sure that we do that next week. I know we were looking forward to that. And there are a couple Maybay photos that people sent to me of dogs in places they don't belong we, let, let, let's go through that. So Deb actually sent me a photo of a dog and she said it's the fourth dog she's seen in Ralph's. And there's also a pair of pants in the background. And I don't know if that's the owner's pants. It doesn't really look like it because it looks like the leash is going up to the person in the tan pants. But there's a person with Ronald McDonald's pants in the background who I wouldn't be surprised if they had a dog with them. If you're wearing that kind of funky pant, you're bringing in a Shih Tzu. That's just that math. We don't need your dog in the grocery store. We know you love your dog, but your dog's not fucking special. And neither is your kid. I hate to tell you, your dog's not special. I have three dogs. Not one of them is special. They're all so perfect though. They really are. Your dog's not special. Nobody cares about your dog. And FYI, your dog will be fine at home for the time you're in the grocery store. Matter of fact, your dog probably wants a break from you because you're annoying because you're always home and you're doting over your dog. And your dog is like, look, a really long time ago, I was able to do so much more without you. And now I'm completely dependent on you. And I eat gourmet food instead of hunting my food down. You have destroyed me. Humans ruin everything. Case in point, this fluffy, dumb dog at Ralph's. Then here's a picture of a guy. He's holding a basket in front of what looks like was a crime scene on this polished concrete floor at a Trader Joe's in, I believe this was Burbank. This was at a Trader Joe's in Burbank, a guy holding a basket. First, let's see what's in his basket because we can zoom in here. 
Okay, he's got dog biscuits. I mean, the, the thing that's taken up the most space is the dog biscuits. We're not surprised, are we? This guy obviously lives alone. No, this is all the same stuff I have in my shopping cart. Organic coffee, medium roast, so we know he doesn't like a dark roast. He's got bananas that I would buy at that color. What color banana are you? There's so many different color bananas, and it really is indicative of the type of person you are. The, 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 the ripeness of the banana you choose is indicative of the person you are. I like a very green banana, not green green. If you eat green green, you're definitely a serial killer. But if you eat like eat lemon green like me, then you're probably anal retentive. You probably care about your body a little bit more, and you probably are pretty regular. I'll let you figure that out on your own. If you eat a really yellow banana, you have mental problems for sure. You are probably somebody who sleeps odd hours and you uh, always, you bring your dog into the grocery store, even though this guy and I have the same banana color. I do think people who eat very yellow bananas, there's something wrong with them. And if you eat very, very yellow bananas with brown spots on them, you should walk into the ocean because you are not a normal human being. Who eats those? Anytime there's a brown spot on the banana, I'm immediately throwing it as far away from my place as possible. I don't want to catch that. I don't want that in the house. That's an amoeba. That is a, that's biological warfare. And if you eat brown bananas, you're a zombie. You are a fruit zombie. And everybody knows that brown bananas are just used for baking. So they're not even meant to be eaten. They're meant to be cooked. We all know that. So that solves the banana problem. But this guy, I took a few glamour shots of him and his dog and the dog looked up at him in this one photo. And even the dog is like, why am I here? What, what do we, I can't help you carry anything. He's got him in a freaking Bjorn. <laughs> Who carries a dog in a Bjorn? I don't even like when people carry babies in a Bjorn because it feels, a, it feels too, it feels too ancient. I feel like our baby carrying devices have evolved enough for us to have it look like you're going to go hiking the Appalachian Trail. That's the only way you should carry your baby in one of those big papooses with like a frame built in and the kid's got like an awning and a drink holder. That's the only way you should carry your child up uh, like you're going up Machu Picchu. You can't just put your kid in a swing. We don't have enough experience with that. These modern people who get pedicures and, and, and eat kale and drink almond milk are carrying their kids in a Bjorn. Something smells a little sticky. Something smells wrong in Lithuania. That's everybody knows that saying, this is just so off. And the dog's looking at him like, why am I here? This is embarrassing for us both. And then the dog looks at me like, please help, help please get me out of here. And I'm like, bud, I can't do anything about, about it. I can't help you. Your, your dad is obviously going to die alone. You know, and the jury's out whether I'm dying alone or not. So the funny thing is, is I went back to this Trader Joe's a couple weeks later and there was a sign outside that said, out, there was a sign outside that said only service dogs allowed in the store. And we're talking like real service dogs. Okay. We're talking like dogs who help people who are experiencing nerve damage or who can't walk really well or maybe only have one limb. We're talking about dogs who are helping those people walk. 
by bracing themselves for the human to be able to use the dog's body to be able to walk a little bit better. We're talking about service dogs who help people who are in wheelchairs and blind people and, you know, even the people who are experiencing, you know, vertigo. We can go as far as saying vertigo. And I don't know if there's vertigo walking dogs. I might have just created a lane for them and you're welcome and I want a piece of that pie. But also for our war veterans, what doesn't constitute a service dog is your little teeny Yorkie poo. So sorry. Leave it in the car. Don't let it set on fire, but leave it in the car. Let's stop the mania. Stop the insanity. And this is coming from a dog mom. This is coming from a dog mom. I'm appalled at you people. You people are just, you're all soft. You're all too soft. (laughs) So this guy, the Trader Joe's, I don't know if he was the last one, the last of the Mohicans to really set it off. But the Trader Joe's was like, nah, no way, fam. Then when I was doing brief work in Vegas, I was in the mob museum and there was this little freaking chunky monkey. Look at him. He looks like the dog from Men in Black. Now, the thing is, is these dogs look like they want people to take them away from their owners. Because I think the reality is the type of owners who bring their dogs into places that they don't necessarily need to be, like the fucking mob museum in Las Vegas. The thing is about them is that they're kind of annoying. And they seem to think that it's their world as we know it. And we're just, you know, guests in their movie. This woman was walking in front of everybody. Her dog took a shit on the floor in the middle of the mob museum. Maron, ah, vafangul, ah, What are you doing? Why, why are you bringing your pug into the mob museum? It's not the pug museum, it's the mob museum. It's, it's so unnecessary. And just when I didn't think I could get enough, I'm walking through the link in Las Vegas, which is a building that links a couple of the casinos. And here's this woman in a very interesting outfit. It's like party on the top, um, ballet recital on the bottom. She's on her phone, not paying attention to her dog, which is also a very common denominator amongst these dog owners. And I'm sure this is very triggering, by the way. I'm sure a lot of you listening, maybe some of you tuned out because you got so mad at me because I I called a spade a spade. Yeah, shots fired. Shots fired to you and Fido. The thing that's crazy about this dog is it looks just like Bunny. This dog looks just like my little bitch. And look, I used to travel with my dogs when I could bring them on the airplane. You still can. It's a little bit more difficult these days to travel with dogs for me. So this isn't someone who's like completely impervious to bringing their dogs to unnecessary places. But I travel for a living and I need the emotional support. And the thing about having an emotional support pet is, you know, we were stretching that a little bit, weren't we? When we were calling our dogs emotional support. I think every dog is emotional support. What are we even doing? Isn't that why we have them? Oh, oh my God. A bug just flew in my mouth. Oh. Did that come from? What is that? What is that? What is that? That's my my Cardi B impression. I just swallowed a bug. Anywho, I guess it's time for Dr. Peluso. Um, if you guys want to submit your questions to be answered on the podcast, you can do that at my Instagram page. Sundays to Mondays, not every single week, but that's when you should look for it. You can submit your question there. And we used to do it on my Instagram story, but it got so popular that we started doing it on the podcast. And you can also email me, email me at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. Let's see. Joe Oliverio. Oh yeah. Oliverio. Oliverio. 
Oliverio. Joe Oliverio. You've messaged me a few times and I think I've had a problem saying your name each and every time. Will you marry me? Nope. Thank you so much for asking. And I, I hope this isn't the new way that people actually ask each other for their hand in marriage. And I know you're just being facetious and cute. That's funny. But can you imagine? And you probably can imagine. I feel like the sense of romance has been challenged because of social media because instead of people doing something tangible out in the real world they're probably creating things and videos and maybe tagging people and this idea of romance is being completely modified by the the advent of social media and and the internet so it's interesting to see how or to know how younger kids are being romantic is it still like flower petals and, and walks on the beach, picnics? Or is it memes, gifts, and tagging your bow on TikTok? Which would make me so sad. I just said bow. That's what my dad used to call, like, it, you know, how you would refer to someone's significant other. He'd call them their bow. That was such a, a, a flashback. That was so funny. Okay, Dr. Peluso, stay focused. Darian Ituragia. Ituragia. Ituriaga. Darian Ituriaga. I like to try and make an attempt to say your name properly. You said you're getting into conspiracies. What one has you right now? Well, I'm not the one that's necessarily into this one in particular, but it is a question from another person. So we're going to piggyback on your question and add another person's question. Flack Pfizer 024, is the earth flat? Now, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Let me first say the earth is round. Okay, let's stop. We really have to stop. It's it's insanity. But hey, if this is the way you sort of relax at night, believing the earth is flat, by all means, go ahead. There's a comedian out there who has changed his whole tune and, and, and can't prove, he says, that the earth is round. And he's been trying to prove that the earth is round, but he can't find any proof that the earth is round. So what I did is I Googled, and not to say that Google always provides us with the most accurate and up-to-date information. Obviously, it's a huge search engine, and there's a lot of ways that it can be influenced. But let's go and, and just keep our minds open and just pretend the earth is round for a second. Seven ways to prove the earth is round. Number one, watch a ship sail off to sea. That's an interesting point. Uh, it's impossible to see the curvature of the earth without being in the sky, okay? You can always see the demonstration of this if you visit a harbor or any place with a wide open view of, of water. If you're able to watch a ship sail off to sea with its mast and flag as it fades off in the distance, you will notice that it does not fade off into the distance at all. You will see its mast and flag appear to slowly sink. The ship sailed beyond the point at which you would see it. Just to be sure, bring a pair of binoculars with you so you can see it even fur further off into the distance. It's a really interesting point. Is, you know, it's hard to see the curvature, but there are things that occur around and on Earth that prove that it is, in fact, a globe. Watch a lunar eclipse, number two. So solar eclipses get all the attention, but if you're able to catch a glimpse of the lunar eclipse, you can see evidence that the earth is indeed round. Here's how it works. I, I should know all this and we, there's probably a bunch of you that are like, yeah, I know what this is. I obviously know what this is, but it's about to tell us exactly what it is. And I'm going to, um, pretend that I, 
I know exactly what I'm talking about. The earth passes between the moon and the sun so that the sun projects earth shadows onto the moon in the night sky. In the night sky! You've probably seen a partial lunar eclipse without even know it, noticing it. If the moon looks orange, that's a sign of a lunar eclipse. If you've ever seen a total lunar eclipse, you probably noticed that the shadow did not look like that. That's the thing. It's like the, literally the shapes we're seeing are round. So is it a disc? These people who ask if the earth is flat, is it a disc? And think about time zones. Like if you were to have a phone call and, and have that phone call be in the next state and the next state and further and further and further all the way around the earth, you would literally be going in a circle. Like following the sun setting, even though it never really sets, and that's the whole point, is each person you talk to, the sun is either going to be rising or setting in their particular areas depending on the time of the day and the way the sun moves. It's just, you know, and I'm not a scientist, so I, I'm sure I'm making this sound really freaking dumb. But I can't believe that people think that the earth is flat. This one says, climb a tree. Imagine a vast plain, but with one tree smack in the middle. If the earth were flat, your vision would extend exactly as far while, would, would extend exactly as far while standing at the base of the tree as it would at the top of the tree. However, the farther you climb, the farther your line of sight will extend to the horizon. Well, that one's really difficult to understand. There's a lot of math. Travel through or even within different time zones. Exactly. Traveling through the time zones, you know, the time zones are wide enough that you'll see the sun rising and setting later in the western part of a time zone than in the eastern part of the time zone. I mean, I'm I'm like one of the dumbest people and I can't understand how people think the earth is flat. And I'm kind of jealous that people can get lost in a conspiracy like that and just be lost in something that is such a fallacy that you believe it and take it as a truth. I, and you're talking to somebody who hopes in her heart that Sasquatch is alive. So I'm not even trying to act holier than thou, but you guys sound ridiculous. Number six, measure, measure shadows across the country. Pick two locations that are some distance apart, at least a couple hundred miles from each other. And on the same meridian, grab two sticks or dowels of equal length, two tape measures and a friend. And each of you will take a stick object and one tape measure in your location. Stick the object into the ground and measure the shadow. That's it. Measure the shadows. And that will indicate the, the way uh, the, 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 <laughs> it's like the, the measure, there's some sort of measure on the earth. Okay. Uh, it's, it's the curvature. Um, number seven, Google international state space station photos. Everyone thinks these are just fake. And the problem is there's so much misinformation that we're starting to believe bullshit. And this, by the way, in the bigger scheme of things, it doesn't fucking matter if the earth is round or flat. Cause we're going to burn alive regardless. <laughs> This has been an uplifting podcast. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I should have done this before I got my tattoo removal. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Julia O'Reilly. It's funny if your name would be O'Reilly and you just had a cute name on Instagram, Julia O'Reilly. You're back. I woke up. My body was vibrating. My mind was out of control. Is that a panic attack? Yeah, it's either a panic attack or an earthquake, girl. Um, panic attacks are real. That's one conspiracy. That's a truth. I know people who have never experienced them. There are some people out there who think that they're fake, but I am someone who has in the past suffered from them and they're very, very real and they can take over and they are disassociative. They can be, excuse me, terrifying. They can be very 
confusing and you can really lose time. It's embarrassing. There's some people sometimes when they have panic attacks, they urinate themselves and it affects a lot of different types of people from what I understand. For me, I had panic attacks uh, one time when I had too much of an edible. The edible sent me to the moon and back. And this is when I was in Montreal for Just for Laughs. And it, so many things happened. I recorded a lot of it in my, in my phone when I woke up the next day because it was a psychedelic trip for sure. So many different people came to me into it. But it was more of like a panic attack like a marijuana induced panic attack, which it can happen sometimes if you don't take the proper dosage or if you're somebody who's sensitive to cannabis that can happen, but also just in life, if you're experiencing stress and you're under, um, you're, you're overtired and you're not getting enough sleep. If you have even vitamin deficiencies, um, if you're somebody who has chronic stress or who doesn't do what they need or should to get rid of the cortisol that we all get pumped into our system. Naturally, on a natural level, we get cortisol pumped into our system when we wake up in the morning. And, you know, when things happen throughout the day, we are combating cortisol in our system uh, various times of the day. So it's really important to implement certain things into your life that can help you combat these panic attacks. And for me, what's helped is something that I think is called grounding, where you name five things you see, you touch four things, you, it's just like a five, four, three, two, one list. I'll add it to the podcast. And it's a way to help yourself ground through a panic attack. And, you know, it's something that I think is good to have just in general for, you know, the fact that anyone can have a panic attack Anyone can have a panic attack and anyone can fall victim to that. But also it's something good to have in case you're with someone who has a panic attack and knowing what to do because it can look like on the outside that the person is completely shut down. Like it can look like the person is just like tired and maybe removed or being awkward, it can manifest in many different ways. So if you have somebody in your life who has panic attacks, or if you're someone who's experiencing a lot of stress, it might be good just to know what to do for yourself, to ground yourself. One of the best things for any sort of anxiety that I have found and through reading and asking friends and doing a little bit of research is breathing and breath work. I know it sounds very woo woo. If you're listening to me and you're like uh, some farm in Oklahoma, I know this sounds ridiculous. But think about when a woman gives birth or it goes into labor and she's about to give birth. They teach her Lamaze breathing. And that's for when babies are born. So obviously there's something to it and it has a way to regulate your system. It has a way to help with your blood pressure and your stress and anxiety. Breathing is um, one of the cheapest ways to, to maintain your overall health. And breath work can also be done through meditation. So check out the timer. Uh, what's it called? Um, I use it for my meditation insight timer. Check out that app. There's a lot of great meditations on that. And there's also a couple different breath work apps that you can put on your phone. Even though I, I just, I can't stand the fact that all these tools are so amazing, but it requires us to go on our phone and put in information and just keeps us on our phone longer I'm a big big advocate for um, 
being off your phone as much as possible. So it is the catch 22 of this generation that we're in. But I will say that breath work is probably one of the best things you can do for anxiety attacks. And you don't even need to have anxiety attacks and anxiety attacks to benefit from breath work. And I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm a fake doctor. I'm not a real doctor. Take all this with a grain of salt. I'm not trying to act like I know more than you. It's just stuff that I've learned through experiences that I've had. That's what the whole goal of this podcast is. And, you know, one of the other panic attacks I had was a couple days before my dad was dying. And I don't know if you guys believe in this or what, but I do think that there is a invisible thread that connects us to people in our lives, the people who are most important in our lives. Because I remember multiple times feeling things that my sister, my mother, my dad, feeling what they were going through, but I was feeling it across the country. And a couple days before my dad passed, I had an anxiety attack and I told my sister and she will attest to this. I told her that she needs to go see our father because I could feel him passing away. I could feel him leaving this physical plane and I was right. And it's not like I knew I was right at the time. It was just something I felt and it felt true to me. So I told her, I'm like, you have to go see him. You have to go see him. You have to go talk to him. You have to go tell him goodbye. I can feel him leaving. And I had a panic attack. I was on the phone with her. I was walking down the street to the grocery store and I was telling her this. I was telling her what I was feeling about our father. And I was telling her that I felt like he was passing away and that it was going to happen within days. And I went into a panic attack. And the thing about a panic attack is it's disassociative sometimes, meaning you lose your touch with reality and it feels hallucinogenic. And you actually do kind of hallucinate. And you also lose your sense of reality. And you kind of are floating around and flashes of lucidity are, are occurring for you, but you're just so caught in this whirlwind. You feel like you're just in this, this tizzy that is almost like a, a revolving, repetitive anxiety. It, and it's, you know, you think the worst thoughts and you also feel impending doom. Like I thought that the tsunami was going to happen. I honestly was like, I feel like a tsunami's coming. And I was running through the grocery store, running up and down the aisles. Like it was supermarket sweep. So for some people, a panic attack looks like them being shy and awkward at a party. And for me, I'm doing laps around Ralph's like I'm on supermarket sweep. It's a very real situation. And it is more common than people think. And maybe some of you were listening and didn't even realize you had a panic attack. And I'm speaking to you now and you're having the realization. So there's many ways to deal with it. I would definitely recommend everyone try some breath work. It sounds so corny, trust me, but think about Lamaze. It's basically Lamaze for your life. We give birth to bullshit every day. Why not do a little breath work to handle that pain? Oh, let's see what else we have here. TX Nate, have you had a medium reading? I have had a medium reading a couple times and the first one I had was years ago in New York City when it was my birthday and my one of my best friends growing up Julie took me just as a whim you know we were walking around New York City we were actually on 23rd headed towards 7th Avenue and this was on the south west 
street of 23rd. That's how people in New York City describe directions, northeast, southwest, for the most part. And she goes, we were walking by the psychic place and she's like, you want to go in? So it was totally random. And that's an important part of the story. So we walk in and this woman, much like all the psychic readings I had or medium experiences, I guess it's different between a psychic and a medium. A medium's job supposedly is to connect with the other side. And a psychic is more what's to come and, and, and can fortune tell to a certain degree. But this woman was a psychic And the experience I've had with all these types of people is whenever I walk into their office, which is really just their living room with the door on the front with a neon sign, they're always eating something. They're always eating something. I would think if you're psychic, maybe you're stressed and that's why you're eating all the time. I would think you're stress eating because you know too much. So anytime I walk in and I see a psychic or a medium eating, I'm like, this is a real deal. They can't handle all the information that they know from the the multitude of souls that are coming to them every day. They got to stress eat. We walk in and Jules goes to one woman takes her in one room and I go into the front room. And the first thing this girl says to me, she's probably about, I want to say 23 years old, about my age and um, just so young. And, and I'm like, how, how long have you been doing this? Like, are you, is there an age when you start to become psychic or is it sort of when you're, you become more conscious and sentient of a being and understand yourself a little bit more like around five or six, or is it something you're just born with? If we're going to talk about it, like we believe it. And I've had some interesting situations where it's not that I necessarily believe it, but it, this person's so accurate. There's no way they could have known certain things. I sit down in her chair again, this was a random one-off thing and I had just started comedy and I wasn't being goofy or anything. I just walked in and sat down and one of the first things she said to me, she said, you're going to make a living making people laugh. I'll never forget it. She could have said anything. She could have said, you're going to make a living being a supermodel. And I wouldn't have believed her, but I would appreciate it. I'm like, this, this girl's good. I got to give her some extra money. She knows what she's doing. I wouldn't have thought it was a scam if she said I was a supermodel. She said I was going to make a living making people laugh. And she was right. I owe my whole career to this woman. And then she said something about a person I was seeing and how they were the wrong person, which I feel is always the situation. Like another time when I went to a psychic, which was off the street in Park Slope. I think it was on 8th Avenue in Park Slope. You, it, this woman didn't even have an office. It was a fucking stairwell of an apartment complex and there was a flashing psychic sign. I think people just buy psychic signs, stick them up and see who comes. I might even start that. That would be a COVID proof business. Are you kidding me? If times are good, you want to go to the psychic. If times are bad, you want to go to the psychic. If a baby's about to be born, you're going to go to the psychic. If somebody dies, you're going to go. It's almost like as successful as like a graveyard or a a morgue or a funeral home. There's always going to be hopeful people and desperate people and there's always going to be people dying. I'm going to buy a psychic sign for my front door. So this girl was just in a stairwell and she was like in, she didn't even have shoes on. And I kind of walk in, I'm like, Hey, is this the psychic place? And she's like, yeah, she's like eating. She had a full mustache, like a Cheeto dust mustache. And she's like, you're not living your life right. And I'm like, me, I'm, I'm not living my life right. 
you're in the hallway of a horrible apartment complex with a two-inch layer of Cheeto dust on your upper lip. But I'm the one who's not living right? Okay. I got to go see your cousin on 23rd Street and see what happened to you and where you went wrong. The nerve. But I've had a couple pretty decent medium readings. I don't not believe in it. I just think there are a lot of scam artists in the industry. You know, there's like the people like remember John Edward? He was like, all right, I'm in the audience. I'm picking something up. Is it an A, a B, a C, a D, an E? I mean, eventually he's going to get to your Aunt Janet. And it's always the same thing. They're fine. Your, your loved one's fine. They're happy. They forgive you. So everyone who's dead is fine. Everyone who's dead is fine and happy and they forgive. What if it was somebody who got murdered by their jealous boyfriend? I'd be pissed. Are you kidding me? I would be so pissed. I feel like the only time that it's right to enter a child is as a ghost. And I would enter Elliot. I would enter Elliot so fast and I would tell my sister, I am not happy on the other side. So get me back somehow. I'm either staying in Elliot or I'm going in Karina. Pick which one you want me to grow up in because the death is for the birds. So I want to believe, but I just don't know. (laughs) One of my dear friends told me about an amazing psychic she went to go see with Miley Cyrus, actually. And she said this woman was so good and that she was thinking about me because both, both my parents were gone. And so this woman's in Oklahoma, funny enough, as I was talking crap about Oklahoma earlier. So I might actually at some point when I'm close to that area, seek her out and see what comes up. The only difficulty for someone like me, and not that I am Angelina Jolie, but I'm in the public eye. And on this podcast, we've talked a lot about my life. And so a lot of it is out there as far as the dead of it all. I've been open about both of my parents' deaths. So I feel like so I could be more susceptible to a scam. But then again, maybe I can find somebody in a rural enough of an area who has, who has no idea who I am and I can just do a fake name. So I'll, I'll make sure to keep you guys posted on that. Let's see what else we have here. Trev Turbo. Hey, Trev, you've, you've left us some questions and, and comments before. Is dating as a normal guy impossible? Yes. And it's also impossible for a, a normal girl, but it's also possible. It's the sort of thing that is... It's difficult, but it's also worthwhile. And I think the whole key to it all is to try and not get too attached too soon and really go day by day. I don't know if you're somebody who rushes into things, but I think a lot of us get into relationships just to avoid being alone. We've talked on the podcast before about the difference between being alone and being lonely and loneliness. And I think figuring out our our comfortability being alone can really help us when it comes time for us to feel comfortable to date because then we're not doing it out of necessity we're doing it out of a want and i think when you're coming from a place of want it's more of a place of love and when you're coming from a place of like neediness and wanting to rush into things and you're doing that out of fear and a fear of being alone and it's not impossible i'm 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 teasing you i think it's very difficult i think the cell phone of it all makes it very difficult. And what I can tell you is it, it sounds maybe cheesy for a guy to think about, but focus on you. Go and do things that you enjoy. Get out into the world. You know, I took a pottery class and and 
I'm taking this UCLA course that I thought was going to be Zoom, but it turns out it's my a glorified MySpace class, which is neither here nor there. But I was looking forward to, you know, being in a classroom and meeting new people in that sense. But challenging yourself and taking on different activities and, and hobbies can really be a great way to meet somebody naturally. I don't believe in the dating apps. I, I just think it's antithetical to finding love. I know people have had success with it. Not for me. So I suggest that you first change your mindset and know that it is possible. And then the next thing you do is you just forget that, forget that you're even trying to find someone. I think that that's a wrong way of going about it where you're like, okay, I'm going to find someone. No, let them find you. I know it seems so hard because you're like, where, when, who, how am I going to meet somebody? You have to let go of your control. You have to let go of the part of you that is holding on to however you're approaching the situation and try and really be in the moment as much as possible and allow a little bit of mystery and magic to unfold for you. So much of our life is already predetermined and predestined and, you know, we've pre-planned. We have to leave a little bit of space for magic and leave a little bit of space for mystery and a little bit of space for life to unfold instead of us trying to control every single moment. And believe me, this is me telling me this as well. You know, it's, it's difficult in today, I think, to find free time and to feel like you even deserve free time. I think a lot of us feel pressure to constantly produce. I know I feel like that as well sometimes. So it's important to just let life unfold for you and listen and be led. As one of my best friends, Nia, told me recently, she said, just listen and be led. And I think that can really help you on the dating scene as well. Let's see what we have a couple more. Um, Naomi to God, <laughs> how do you navigate toxic in-laws? That's toughy. That's toughy, toughy, toughy. Woo. That's a tough one. You know, I have never dealt with in-laws yet in my life. But I will say I know that energy. I have seen it in peripheral relationships in that I've been a witness to. I think one of the things is you have to let go of your desire to be right when you're dealing with your in-laws. Let it go. They're older. They know your loved one longer. And it's their world probably more so than it is yours if they're toxic people. And number two, much like our own family, you don't have to be friends. And I know that's probably difficult to say. You're probably like, well, what about the holidays? And what about this? And what about that? Well, you can, you can, you know, take it on the chin for the holiday. Find some common ground. There's got to be something you have in common. And even if this is just for survival, freaking figure it out so you can survive. So you can survive the holidays. So you can survive the birthdays and the, the birth and the, the deaths and the graduations and all the days that you celebrate with somebody's family. You got to find a way to connect with these people. Find a way to fall in love with something they love with, that they love. Find a way to fall in love with something they enjoy doing. And also be proactive. I read something interesting or that was interesting to me. It said, be the first person to say hello or to introduce yourself. You might have to be proactive in this instance. You might have to really put on a good face for your loved one. And that's if, you know, you guys have a healthy relationship. It's probably worth it to get to know your in-laws. Take them out alone. 
put yourself in uncomfortable situations and you're probably like, girl, every time I'm with them, it's uncomfortable. That's the whole point. They are uncomfortable and they are toxic. Well, there's something to be learned. And there's probably limits to this because there's only a certain amount of toxicity anyone can handle. And also I wouldn't want, if, if I know my family's toxic, I wouldn't want to succumb or put my loved one in that situation. I wouldn't want them to succumb to that. And I wouldn't want them to have to witness it. And I wouldn't want them to have to, you know, cater to that. So there has to be limits to this, but if you have to be around them and it's, it's the only way it's going to be, maybe you and your significant other can team up and create a safe word. (laughs) Watermelon. Your mother's driving me nuts. Watermelon. Your dad is insane. Figure out a safe word for your, for each of you when you're at a family gathering so that you know that someone needs to tap out. Your loved one needs to tap out. So you've got to step in and sort of help compensate for them sacrificing their Sunday so that you can spend Mother's Day with your horrid mother. There's got to be ways that you compromise with one another to make it work and to, you know, find some sort of common ground and to find some sort of peace because a lot of this is unavoidable. And maybe put a time limit on it. If you have a party to go to, set up expectations. Be like, hey guys, we're coming. We're only going to be there for 32 minutes. Okay, so let's start the cake early because um, Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Betsy's got halitosis and we don't want to be around for that much longer. I wish you the best. Try to have an open mind, an open heart, and create some boundaries for you and your loved one. Let me know how it works out. Let's do one more. Ina May G. What's up, girl? How are you? If a, fir- if, fur, 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 if a first date goes amazing, how many hours should it last? Is it five too long? What about the second date? You know, I don't think there's any time limit on a good date. Five hours is a long time, but I know people who've had dates overnight. And I know people who have had dates that were all day long. And there's a new Netflix documentary series out called The Third Longest Date, where this couple went on a third date to Costa Rica during the quarantine and got shut down and shut in together as a new couple. So maybe you can watch that for some inspiration. But I don't think there's any time limit to it. I will say, as a woman, I think it's prudent and I think it would behoove you to leave them wanting more. Now, I speak from a heterosexual standpoint, so I can't speak for everybody, but I think in those traditional terms that there's something to that. There's something to leaving them wanting more, and that's a little romantic. You know, we were talking in the beginning about this new romance and how do kids navigate romance in this technological world, and I think leaving them wanting more is a real good tool to have in your toolkit and for yourself. So much of what we do in this world is built to satiate us. We're constantly getting gratification. And I don't think that that's necessarily healthy. I don't think we're living in a very healthy time with instant gratification and anything we want, our desires are met. We've spoke about the importance of struggle. And I think the, this abundance of gratification and instant gratification and us constantly being satisfied leads to some depression because it prohibits us from experiencing struggle on a regular basis. And I do think struggle on a regular basis creates a happier, more balanced human being. Think about the history of human beings and what we went through to become civilized. We had to struggle a lot. It was struggle was the name of the game. Think about what it 
takes and in what a woman's body endures during birth and child labor that right there is such a physical emotional and um, financial struggle for a woman to go through so i think that it's important for us to struggle a little bit in society but in in the context of dating and, and how long should a date last i i do think to to make sure that the guy isn't 100% satisfied leaves a fun little chase. And I don't know if it works both ways. I've never been in a, in a homosexual relationship. So if anyone can attest to that, I would love to hear how it works in your world. Email me, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. And let me know if that's a similar occurrence for you guys as well. I do think people being satisfied leaves, leads to content a lot us being content and I don't think content is a good place to be it's almost a stagnant place to be and also can leave us feeling contempt and resentful so I think that it's always good to just leave a little something leave a little something just a little something a little something for um, mystery a little something behind a, a, you know leave a little something to wonder just a little something can really keep things moving and keeping forward momentum and and maintaining some magic and mystery and i think we all need a little bit of that in our lives especially now where everything seems like it's just so tragic well one way to cure that is to get the fuck off your phone and get out in the world so that's my homework for you guys go out for a walk this week get your get your toes in the grass get out in nature and you know feel what it feels like to be alive and i hope you guys have a great week and i look forward to talking to you next week Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.